John Wesley said, set yourself on fire for God. And people will come from miles just to watch you burn. I just wonder what God could do with you and your little youth group in your town. What could God do with your youth group in your town if you set yourself on fire for God and had friends and family and people you don't even know come from miles just to watch you burn? I just, I just wonder what would happen if we truly, truly lit ourselves on fire for God. God made water really incredible. Two little molecules, hydrogen and oxygen, put together to make water. Hydrogen by itself explodes. Oxygen is what burns. You put them together and it makes water, and that's what puts fire out. Isn't that interesting? But you can put on a little bitty thin layer of of, of hydrogen and oxygen on your hand, and you can pick up something that would normally scorch your hand. And you can light yourself on fire and it won't even burn. What would it look like if you set yourself on fire for God? People would come from miles to watch you burn. Hey, I want to have a conversation today about the mind of the skeptic or the atheist. How do you blow an atheist's mind? I talk to atheists all the time. I have, no joke, I've had probably somewhere around 10,000 conversations with atheists, one-on-one conversations. Me talking to them, asking them a couple questions, I enjoy my conversations with atheists. I've talked to so many that I know exactly how they think. Matter of fact, what I'd love to do right now is play a little game that I love to do, and I'd love to be the atheist and spend about the next hour telling you guys or asking you guys, hey, why do you believe what you to believe? Why do you believe the Bible's true? Why do you believe God? And then as you tell me your reasons, I would play the atheist card, and I would start shutting you down one at a time, and pretty soon you guys would get pretty frustrated And you'd get to the point where you're going, okay, well, stop. Just tell us the truth. How do we know? Hey, you want to learn the Bible? You want to learn how do you defend your faith? Go share your faith, and you will learn how to defend your faith. If you're not sharing your faith, you've got no reason to learn your faith. You've got no reason to learn about Christianity if you're not sharing it. Because it's like, well, who cares? I'm good. Who cares about the rest of the world? I think that atheist this morning would have a few words for us about that. How do you blow an atheist's mind? In the book of Psalms, chapter 111, verse 10, it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of what? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. In Proverbs, Solomon says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of... Hey guys, let me ask you something. Is that true?
Are you just saying it's true because it's in the Bible? I mean, is it really true that the fear of the Lord is really the beginning of knowledge and wisdom? Is that really true? How many of you know somebody who does not believe in God or would call themselves a skeptic? Okay. Do they know anything? Do they have any wisdom or knowledge? Is the fear of the Lord really the beginning of wisdom and knowledge? Brad Pitt said, I'm probably 20% atheist and 80% agnostic. I don't think anyone really knows. You'll either find out or not when you get there. Until then, there's no point thinking about it. Is it worth thinking about this question? Is God real? Does God exist? George Clooney said, I don't believe in heaven, hell. I don't believe in God. All I know is that as an individual, I won't allow this life, the only thing I know to exist, to be wasted. Huh. The Bible says we're supposed to be ready to give an answer. Be ready always to give an answer to anybody that asks a reason for the hope that's in us. And we're supposed to do that with meekness and fear, with gentleness and respect, with love and patience and kindness. Now, the skeptic out there will say things like this. Hey, religious belief is irrational. There's no evidence for God's existence. No evidence for God's existence. Let me ask you, are we really trying to weigh out who has more evidence? Is that what's going on here? Do I have a pile of evidence over here that I present to you guys that says God does exist, and I try to get you to not see the pile of evidence that the atheists have or the evolutionists have? Is that what's going on? Are we weighing out the evidence? I mean, last time I checked, we all had the same evidence. We're all living in the same world. We're looking at the same trees, studying the same fossils, looking at the same rocks. We've all got the same evidence. It's not a matter of the evidence. And if you ask me, is there evidence for the Bible? Oh, man, I would love to sit here for a whole week and teach you guys how we know. We know. It's not blind faith that we trust the Word of God. We know the Word of God is true. We've got evidence from the fulfilled prophecies. Did you know Daniel prophesied to the very day when Jesus Christ would walk into Jerusalem? more than 400 years before it happened. That would be like Christopher Columbus landing on America and say landing in America and saying I think I think I got something here. On July 7th, 2022 and then he named your name, you are going to be in the mountains of California at a camp called Heartland Christian Camp sitting in a chapel. I mean, if Christopher Columbus had written that down and then all of a sudden your name and you're here, like that would be kind of like a wow thing, right? Fulfilled prophecies are incredible. Archaeological discoveries are insane. The Bible is internally consistent, written by 40 different men over a 1,500-year period through 66 different books, and yet everything that they write is cohesive. It goes together. You can't get two people to write something today, two books, and it all go together. You're going to find contradictions. It's uh, extra biblical writings confirm it anyway. There's tons and tons of evidence. We don't have time to go into how the Bible's true. Guys, it's not a matter of the evidence. It's not like I'm, I've got more evidence for God than they've got against God. Because then I'd just be arguing with you guys. And you guys would just be arguing with your friends. No, I got more evidence. No, I got more evidence. No, I got more evidence. Guess what? The atheist believes it too. They get it. We did a debate series with a guy named Paul Baird over in the UK. It's called the Unbelievable Debate Series. And in this debate series, at the end of debate number two, 
Paul Baird, the atheist, made a claim, and I went, oh my goodness, I cannot believe he just said it that plainly. Here's what he said. What would it take to convince an atheist that the resurrection had actually happened? He said, if we had affidavits from Roman guards standing at the foot of the cross, and they'd seen the crucifixion take place, they'd seen the body taken down, they'd seen the body taken to the grave, they'd stayed by the body, and they'd actually seen the stone being rolled away, and they saw Jesus come out. And they stayed with Jesus all through the next 40 days, and they watched him ascend into heaven. And that was documented, and that was authenticated. Would an atheist accept it? What do you think he says? He said, no. Evidence isn't the issue. We're not arguing over who's got the most evidence for God versus against God. Now, could I give you evidence for the resurrection? Oh, my goodness. We did an entire 12-part small group series on the resurrection of Christ. I mean, here, I thought, you know what? If, if we as Christians are putting in our, our entire faith, our entire trust, our entire eternal life in this one event in history, the resurrection of Christ, well, shouldn't we figure out and learn a little bit about it? Isn't that kind of important to kind of know what happened there? So we did a whole 12-part series on this. Unbelievable how much evidence there is for the resurrection of Christ. Did you know there are 30 extra biblical references outside of the Bible that refer to the resurrection of Jesus Christ? It's amazing how much information there is about the resurrection. Is there evidence for creation? Wow, guys, every major branch of science was started by a creationist. Somebody who wanted to discover God's, God's amazing creation, his amazing design, the handiwork of the designer. Herschel, Dalton, Faraday, you'll learn about these guys, hopefully in science class. Owen, Jewel, Pasteur, Kelvin, all these guys believe the Bible. And today they're like, oh, you can't, you can't be a scientist and believe the Bible. <laughs> what? Every branch of science that you guys study was started by somebody who believed the Bible. Evolution hasn't really done very much for science, has it? I mean, think about it. Did evolution do much for medicine? No. Applied chemistry and biology is what gave us our medicine today. Did, did, did evolution put a man on the moon? Did it give you your cell phone? No. Engineers did that. People that realize things are designed and we need to design things. Sounds like the Christian and creation worldview to me, not the evolution worldview. Evolution has done nothing for science, not one bit. No field of science today uses the evolution theory. No field of science today even uses it. Uh, the human population is kind of interesting. Back in 1985, we crossed the 5 billion mark. Right around at the turn of the century, we crossed the 6 billion mark. So that puts us where here in 2022 at about how many people? Almost, we are about to cross the 8 billion mark in human population. Eight billion people on the planet. Wow. But if you go back in time, back in 1800, there was only one billion people alive. So if we keep going back further, when did the human population begin? The human population makes what they call an exponential growth curve on a graph where it starts off slow and then takes off rapidly. Well, when... How, how long would it take to get 8 billion people on the planet? You look at secular textbooks, here's what they show the kids. Hey, boys and girls, yep, here's where we're at today, 1995.3 billion people, go backwards. And then they go backwards, and it should taper off to nothing right around 4,400 years, because that's how long it would take to get 8 billion people today, 5.3 billion people in 1990. But instead of tapering off to zero, they go 4,000, 5,000, 6,000, 7,000, 500,000. You cannot have a tiny human population for hundreds of thousands of years. That's impossible. 
There would be way too much genetic load, too many deformed chromosomes, way too many genetic problems with the human population. This one does the same thing, goes back 4,000, 5,000, 6,000, 7,000, 2 to 5 billion years. Guys, you cannot have a tiny human population for millions of years. It doesn't work that way. That's absolutely impossible. Now, at the time of, the, at the time of Christ when he was here, there was about 250 million people alive. Encyclopedia, Encyclopedia Britannica actually did a study on this. They went, okay, how many people should be on planet Earth? I won't read this whole study to you, but this is the study they did. Here's the bullet points, okay? They said, if, if we took the current growth rate, which when they did this study, right, it's uh, about 2003, uh, the growth rate was 1.7%. You see that very top line, 1.7%. That means that we're getting 1.7% uh, more people every year. Today, it's down to about 1% in 2022, but anyway, it was 1.7%. They said, instead of growing the population at 1.7%, uh, we're going to slow that down. And we're going to start 1 million years ago. So a million years ago, we're going to start with the first two apes that stand up and go, we don't want to be apes anymore. We want to be different. Y'all are weird. Walk around on four legs. We're going to do two. And the guy was like, yeah, babe, you with me? And she's like, uh-huh, I'm with you, honey. And they went off, and they were the first two people a million years ago, okay? So a million years ago, you got the first two people. Now. We're not going to double the human, we're not going to grow the human population at 1.7%. Instead, we're going to grow the human population at 0.01%, a fraction, 170th of what the human population growth actually is. This would mean you would double the number of people every 7,000 years. So a million years ago, you got how many people? 7,000 years later, you've doubled the human population. You now have, yeah. Now, it's not the same two people that were alive way back then. They died, you know, they had kids, died, had kids, died, had kids, died, all that. But there's now a total of four people. 7,000 years later, you've doubled it. You've gone from four to eight. 7,000 years later, you've doubled it. You're from eight to 7,000 years later, you're at, 7,000 years later, you're at, yeah, it's the megabyte thing that you guys are used to on the phone. How many gigs does this phone have? You know, just doubling, yeah. Well, here's what would happen. In, a, in, in one million years, you would double the human population 142 times. So if you took two times two times two times two times two times two times two, 142 times, it would tell you how many people would be on the planet if we doubled every 7,000 years, which is way too slow. You want to see the number? This is how many people should be on planet Earth. Ten to the 43rd. We're at 8 billion, not 100, that one, whatever that is. Wow. We should have, matter of fact, if we, now they would say humans evolved from chimpanzees somewhere around 2 million years ago, maybe. Not a million, 2 million. So how many people would be on the planet if mankind has been here for 2 million years? More than that. You should have 150,000 people per square inch on planet Earth. That's crowded. That is crowded. Wow. Hey, you're hearing all the time. You guys ever heard the, the idea that the Earth is overpopulated? You ever heard that? Yeah. They are seeding that into your mind, making you think the world is too crowded. The world is too crowded. 
the world is too crowded. They got images to try to help them teach this idea that the earth is overpopulated. Hey, um, I have driven from Pensacola, Florida, all the way out here to California. Guess what I passed a whole lot of on my way out here? Nothing. <laughs> there is, there's a lot of room out there. Matter of fact, right now today, you could take the entire world population, 8 billion people, and fit them inside the city limits of Jacksonville, Florida. Each person would have about four square feet to, to stand. But everybody, obviously, you couldn't live like that, but you could stand in Jacksonville, Florida. The earth is not overcrowded. But they keep saying that it is. Hey, if the evolution worldview is true, and you do think we're going to overpopulate the planet, and you don't think God created this earth to be designed and created this earth to be, or designed this earth to be inhabited, and you thought the world was overcrowded, you'd been fed that lie, what should you do about it? Well, you could try to do your part by maybe, well, I just won't have very many kids. I'll just have two. I'll just re we'll just replace us. Huh. Well, what if, and, and I don't mean to go too conspiracy theory here on you. Actually, I'm about to. I guess maybe I should skip this. What if you were one of the wealthiest people on the planet, and you believe, here's your belief system, you believe we are nothing but highly evolved animals. We're not made in the image of God. And there's getting to be too many of us. And I'm one of the wealthiest, most influential men on the planet. What would you do? They are actually trying to implant in people's mind the idea that they shouldn't have kids. Not only that, well, let me put it this way. When I'm in my yard and I see an ant pile, and I don't want it there in my yard. I go to the garage and I get out my ant poison. Come out, pump it up, and spray it. Sometimes I'll even spread the pile out and I'll watch the ant die. But what happens when you believe humans are no different than ants. And there's too many of them in one place and they're kind of becoming a nuisance to you. What do you do then? I, I, I'll stop right there for sake of, um, for sake of you guys, but um, I, I do believe that there are people that are very, very wealthy that believe humanity is nothing but animals and they want to lower the human population. Very interesting. I think there's lots of evidence for creation. You guys know about the hydrologic cycle? You learned that? Water, it, it rains down on the earth, on the land. The water goes into the stream, into the oceans, streams and then the oceans. The, it takes with it the minerals, you know, the, the, the minerals that are in the soil, it takes that with it. So the oceans today are getting saltier and saltier and saltier. Well, that's no big deal for me because I think the earth is about, you know, 6,000 years old, and the flood occurred 4,400 years ago. So, yeah, the oceans today are, three, are at 3.6% salt. No big deal. But you want me to believe the oceans are somewhere around like 3 billion years old? How salty would they get in 3 billion years? I, 
I got to go to the Dead Sea over in Israel. Anybody ever been to the Dead Sea in Israel? Is it amazing or what? You cannot sink in the Dead Sea. There's, it's the lowest, one of the lowest spots on earth, and you get in and you cannot sink. It's just you float because there's so much salt in the water. If this, the rock sinks, if the oceans have been here for four or three billion years, every single one of us could go pull a Jesus and walk on water right now. Nothing, nothing would be alive in the oceans today if they've been here for millions of years. We got this thing that goes around the earth. The moon goes around the earth. How many of you guys knew that already? Did you guys know that? The moon goes, okay, good, good. Smart, smart crowd, smart crowd. Oh, by the way, does anybody know the scientific name for it? What's the scientific name for it? Luna. No, we actually just call it moon. That's, that's the name. But anyway, so the moon is going around the earth. Here's the problem, guys. We're losing the moon. The moon is getting further and further away from the earth. No big deal for me. The earth, is only, earth and moon are only, you know, 6,000 years old. But you want me to believe the earth and the moon are millions or billions of years old? Now we've got a problem. Now we've got a big problem. Yeah. If we go back in time, the moon was closer to the earth. Well, how far back can we go with the moon getting closer and closer and closer to the earth? Turn out, turns out it's less than a billion years because the moon is what causes the tides. And a billion years ago, the moon would cause the tides to drown everything on earth twice a day. Normally, we're only allowed to drown once a day. I mean, uh, once. And then you're done, okay? You're gone. The earth-moon system is great. Earth's magnetic field is getting weaker. It's declined by 10% in the last 150 years. Look, there's lots of evidences that God's word is true. Plenty of evidence that God's word is true. I don't have time to go into all these. What do you do about the skeptic, the atheist, the skeptic that says, yeah, I used to be a Christian. You ever heard somebody say that? I used to be a Christian. You know who these guys are? Rhett and Link with Good Mythical Morning. Used to be the most popular YouTube channel in the world. Rhett and Link with their show, Good Mythical Morning. They came out a couple years ago and said, we used to be Christians, now we're not. Had a kid outside. I was speaking here in California at a conference. And there was a protest outside protesting me speaking because I'm speaking to a bunch of kids. So the atheists came and they protested. They're like, look, you're lying to kids. We don't think you should be lying to kids. I went, you're, you're, there. somebody told me, hey, there's atheists outside protesting. I was like, ooh, that sounds like fun. <laughs> so I made my way outside, <laughs> said, hello there. How are you guys today? Well, this one guy, I don't remember his name. I think it was David. This one guy said, I used to be a Christian. I videotaped my conversation with him. I asked him one question to find out if that was really true. You want to see the conversation? Here it is. You said you used to be a Christian? Yeah. Yeah, when you were a Christian, did you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Absolutely. My father graduated. You had a relationship with Jesus Christ? A personal yeah. relationship with him? Yes. So you do believe in him? No, no. Oh, uh, so you didn't have a personal relationship with him? I did. You You're don't... Funny. You. You believed in him, in him and had a personal relationship, but now you don't believe him and don't have a personal relationship. No, I don't see what's hard to understand about that. I'm sorry, Eric. Okay. But um, no, so you're but saying was, you did have a personal relationship with somebody who now you say does not exist. Christianity and Jesus was a very big part of my life. Do I think I was wrong? Yes. Do I think I was delusional? No, because you're playing fast and loose with the definitions of delu uh, the, with the definition of delusional. So you're now actually you don't believe in Jesus Christ, though. No, of course I do not believe in Jesus Christ. In terms but you of did have a relationship with him at one time. Are we just gonna keep going round and round? Do we not? Do we? Uh, do we not? Hold on, hold on. Do we not get what I'm saying? 
Is, 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 it, is it incomprehensible? It sounds like you're saying. Is it incomprehensible? Hold on. Is it incomprehensible? Show of hands. Is it incomprehensible to what I'm saying? Yeah. I see zero hands. One hand. Okay, one hand. It is not, it is not, it is not incomprehensible. So everybody else understands what I'm saying. So not, you, we're not saying, so playing a language game by saying, oh, well, neither did you don't believe it, you were never a Christian. Or, no, or I'm just because you didn't believe it, you're wrong. Do you believe in Jesus Christ now? No, of course okay. not. Okay. Did you have a relationship with Jesus Christ at yes, one point? Yes, I did. There we go. Thanks. You know, I uh, I was married for 23 years. Amazing woman, Tanya. We had three beautiful children. And the other day I found out um, my wife's not real. Do you see a problem with that? In order for me to now claim my wife isn't real, I would have to say I used to be delusional and now I'm not delusional. So when somebody says I used to be a Christian, it's like, well, did you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? That's what Christian Christianity is all about. Well, I thought I did. Huh? So you didn't know because you only thought you did. Right? You, you can't go from a position of Jesus being the, the Lord of your life and the Lord of your thinking to a position of you being the Lord of your thinking. That's not possible. Hey, you got your note, you got notebooks ready to write down something? I got five questions I want to give you. These are five questions to ask a skeptic. Five questions to ask an atheist, okay? Write these down. Five questions to ask a skeptic. Get that pen, get that paper, let's go. All right, you ready? Here's how to blow an atheist's mind. Now, by the way, you have to be very careful when you use these questions because it is devastating to their worldview if you stick to it. So you have to do it in love. You have to do it in love. Everybody say, I will do it in love. I promise. Pinky swear. Cross my heart, hope to die. Stick a needle in my eye. Okay, with love, okay, with love. Question number one. I asked this. Hey, let me ask you guys something. Um, is it impossible for the God of the Bible to exist, you know? Now, you need to understand something as I ask these questions. You need to understand something. While you write this down, I'll explain it. You need to understand something about a skeptic. A skeptic is somebody who would say, well, nothing's impossible. Anything can happen. Okay. Well, if nothing's impossible, that means everything is possible. So I phrase the question like this on purpose because I know how they have to answer it. Hey, is it impossible for the God of the Bible to exist? Well, if it's not impossible, because nothing's impossible, that means it's possible. So they have to answer this, no, it's not impossible. What are they saying when they say, no, it's not impossible? They're saying it is. It's possible that God does exist. I say, thank you very much. Let me ask you another question. I say, is it impossible for the Bible to be what it claims to be? The Bible claims to be revelation from God. Is it impossible for this book to be revelation from God? Now, again, nothing's impossible for a skeptic. So how do they have to answer this? Is it impossible for the Bible to be what it claims to be? How do they have to answer this? They have to say, no, it's not impossible. And if it's not impossible, that means it's, it's possible that this is revelation from God. Then I ask this question. I say, hey, is it impossible for God to reveal truth to us? 
Could an all-powerful God reveal truth to you? Could an all-powerful God do that? Guys, could an all-powerful God reveal truth to you? So I asked this question. Is it impossible for God to reveal truth to us and make us certain? Well, if they're skeptic, they can't say anything's impossible, so they have to say, no, it's not impossible. And if it's not impossible, that means it is possible. Now, I don't know if you realize this, but here's what just happened. You just got the skeptic to say, it is possible that God exists. You've got the skeptic to say, it's possible that the Bible is revelation from God. And you've got the skeptic to say, it's possible that God can make us certain, can give us certainty, can give us truth. Now, I just want to reiterate, you have to do this in love, okay? Hey, have to do this in love. Serious. This next question undermines the entire atheist worldview. In other words, the debate is over once you ask this question and get your answer. There's no more debate, okay? Okay? Hey, just listen. You're good. It's going to be very safe. Listen. But you have to be nice with this, okay? Because it'd be real easy, especially for somebody in middle school, to use this and be mean to somebody. That is not what God has called you to do. That is not what God has called you to do. Okay? I'm going to give you the question. Please be nice with this. Here's the question. Could you be wrong about everything you think you know? Well, remember, with a skeptic, anything's possible, right? So could they be wrong about everything they think they know? Yeah. And they'll typically say, yeah, yeah, we, you could too. We could be wrong about everything we think we know. Matter of fact, they, they say that. That's like one of their tenets, one of their core tenets of who they are. Barbara Smoker was a famous atheist. She said, atheists don't claim to know anything with certainty. It's believers who think they know it all trying to make fun of believers. Michael Nugget said, atheism does not require certainty. Strictly speaking, we cannot be certain of anything. Wait a minute. I'm certain that we're not certain of anything. Is that what he just said? Pretty much. I'm sure that we're not sure of anything. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> I smell a contradiction there. That's a problem, isn't it? But they say this over and over. I was in a debate with two guys, myself and Sides and Bergen Cape. Um, we're in a debate with this guy. Um, and um, two guys, uh, Jim Gardner and Alex Botten. And we asked them, hey, could you be wrong about everything you think you know? We went through these questions with them. Alex said, I could be wrong about everything I think I know. Now, let me ask you something. How hard is it to win a debate with somebody when they say, just so you know, everything I'm saying could be wrong. I mean, don't you kind of win by default? Yeah. Oh, you could be wrong. Oh, debate's over because you don't know that you're right. You could be wrong. Ha, done. I'm right. No, you're not. Could you be wrong about that? No, man. Hey, the Bible's not true. Could you be wrong about that? Yeah. There's contradictions in the Bible. Could you be wrong about that? Yeah. They'll admit it. We could be wrong about everything we think we know. 
That's a problem. The next, a couple days later after this debate, I put something out on Twitter. I said, the truths of God are not a matter of belief or unbelief. They're a matter of acceptance or rejection. Alex, the guy that I just debated, chimed in on my tweet. He said, Eric, that's fallacious. In other words, that's not true. Well, i got a choice here. Do I want to defend my statement, or do I want to remind Alex of his statement? I couldn't help myself trying to do it in love, of course. I said, Alex, you could be wrong. Because that's what he had just said. He followed this tweet up. He said, I could be, but so could you, and I'm not. I could be wrong, but I'm not. What? Those don't go in the same sentence logically. I, I, I couldn't help myself on this, and I was just in love trying to point out the problem. I said, you just contradicted yourself in one tweet, LOL. <laughs> I could be wrong, but I'm not. Well, then you can't say you could be wrong. Well, I could be. Well, then you can't say I'm not. You can't do that, okay? Those don't go together. They just don't fit together. Here's another question I ask, my fifth question. If I get to this one, and I try to get to this one, I say, hey, let me ask you a question. If, if I could prove God to your satisfaction, the God of the Bible, and I proved him to your satisfaction, would you worship him? What do you think the atheist says? Oh, is that the largest gathering of atheists in the history of the world? The Reason Rally in Washington, D.C. Sounds like a good place to go hang out. And I interviewed lots and lots and lots of atheists, and I asked them these series of questions. And when I got to this question, well, I got it on video. You want to see what they said? Here's what they said. If I could prove to your satisfaction that God, the God of the Bible exists, would you worship him? No. If you could prove to my satisfaction that God does exist, the God of the Bible uh, exists, would I worship him? No. Why not? Because he's kind of a jerk. I would not. Um, just because someone created us does not mean we're divinely tied to um, blindly worship them. If I could prove God to your satisfaction, the God of the Bible, would you worship him? Um, probably... I mean... If you could prove, so I mean, are you going to? Prove if I could not? prove the Creator to your satisfaction, would you worship Him? You haven't done that, so it's no, not. I'm, it's a, I'm asking that. if What's I could. We're asking atheists why they are atheists. Why are you an atheist? Simply lack of evidence. Lack of evidence in God. Yes. If I could prove God's existence to you, would you worship Him? I'd say that I would accept his existence would you worship him that's an entirely different question uh probably not 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 mm. you know what this tells us guys this tells us something this is not an intellectual issue this is a heart issue remember what i said on monday Probably not. I'll say it again. The reason people scoff at the Bible is never because of science. It's always because of sin. Every single time. 
They don't want a God to worship. They're like a thief. A thief is not looking for the cops. Let me tell you, he's running from them. And in the same way, the skeptic is not looking for God. He is running from God. That's all he's doing is running from God. The book of Romans tells us everybody already knows God exists. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. They know the truth, but they're holding it in unrighteousness because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. God showed it to them. He said, the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead. They are without excuse. You know why they're without excuse? Tells us in the next verse. Because when they knew God, did they know God? Oh, yeah. When they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became what? It is foolish to say that God does not exist. I want to try to demonstrate that to you with an important concept here. Here's the important concept you need to learn. You need to write this one down, okay? Important concept. If you could be wrong, then you don't really know. You're like, yeah, Eric, that doesn't sound too complicated. No, no, I just want to make sure you get this right, okay? If you could be wrong, you don't really know, okay? I mean, if I said the, uh, the speed limit on the road out here is 45 miles an hour, but I could be wrong. Do I know the speed limit on the road? No, because I said I could be wrong, and if I could be wrong, then I don't, I don't really know. If I said the Willison Tower, formerly the Sears Tower in Chicago, is 1,742 feet tall, but I could be wrong. Do I know the height of the Willis Tower? Because I said I, and if I could be wrong, then I, I don't really know. Yeah, okay, good. Now, out of all the knowledge in the universe, out of everything there is to know about everything, out of all the chemistry, all the biology, all the physics, all the computer science, all women's brains, okay, out of everything there is to know about everything, and, and, and not just right now, throughout all of time, Throughout all time, out of all the whole knowledge in the whole universe, let me ask you guys something. How much knowledge do you think you've got? About like that? Thomas Edison, the great inventor, said, we do not know one millionth of one percent of anything at all. Let's just pretend for a second that out of all the knowledge in the universe, out of everything out there, let's pretend and let's stretch it. Let's just, let's not do like, you know, a millionth of a percent. Let's pretend that we think we've got 1% of all the knowledge in the universe. Okay? Here's the question for you. We're pretending we think we've got 1% of all the knowledge in the universe. Is it possible that out of the 99% of knowledge out there that we don't have, that something out there could contradict or prove wrong that 1% that we think that we have? Is that possible? You guys are tracking with this, aren't you? Okay. Let me just, I just want to make sure if you don't quite get it, I just spell it out here for you. Is it possible that out of the 99% of knowledge that you do not have, that something out there could contradict the 1% of knowledge that you think that you do have? Is that possible? Yeah. You know what that means? That means you could be wrong about that 1% that you think that you have. Hey, listen, this is it. I want you to get this. You could be wrong about that 1% that you think you have. Right? 
Well, if you could be wrong about that little bitty bit that you think that you've got, that means you don't even know that 1%. Which means, say it loud, you don't know anything. You don't know anything. Let's pray. I'm just kidding. What? How can we stop there? Wait a minute. What? We've come to the conclusion that we don't know anything? That's what our conclusion is? It is true. It is true. Listen, 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 listen. It is true. You would have to know everything in order to claim you know anything to be true. Otherwise, you could be wrong. You'd have to have all knowledge. You'd have to know everything in order to claim you know something or you could be wrong. And if you could be wrong, then you don't. You don't know. You'd have to know everything in order to know anything at all. Or, or, oh man, God, please help these young people to get this today. Listen, listen. Or get, please, this is, this is good. Or, you don't have to know everything. You just have to know someone who knows everything. And the one who knows everything can reveal truth to you. And while you don't know everything, you know the one who does know everything. So can you know things because the one who knows everything has told you things? Wow. You can have truth. You can have knowledge. You can have wisdom. The only way to know anything to be true is to have revelation from the one who knows everything. The only way to know anything to be true is to have revelation from the one who knows everything. And that's exactly what he did for you and I. You know what this should make you and I do? Fall in love with God's revelation to mankind. Fall in love with truth. Fall in love with what he has given to mankind. You want proof of God? I'll give you proof of God. If you don't start with God, the one who knows everything, you can't even have knowledge. You can't know anything. Now we come to the important question. Do you know anything? Hey, guys, do you know anything? Do you know anything? Yes, for crying out loud. Are you sitting here today? I don't know, Eric. I'm kind of confused about that. Are we in the chapel? Yes, you know that. Are you breathing air? Yes, you know. You know lots of stuff. You know why? Because you know the one who knows everything. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you. Let me ask you. It turns out. The fear of the Lord really is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord really is the beginning of knowledge. 
If you don't start with God, the one who knows everything, you can't even have knowledge. You can't have truth. You get nowhere. No wonder the atheist always says we can't have truth. We don't know anything. And they brag about what they don't know. You skeptical? I'm telling you, without God, the one who knows everything, you can't even know anything. You have to start with God. I was in a um, in a debate with this guy. It was online, and I'm in this little chat room having this debate with this guy, you know. And I mean, it's 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 crazy. We're going back and forth on creation versus evolution and all kinds of stuff. And he's bringing up science stuff, and he's going, "Listen, man, you don't know that. We don't know anything. We can't be sure about anything. We don't know anything at all, man." I mean, it's getting to 2 o'clock in the morning. My wife's like, honey, come to bed. I'm like, hang on, sweetie. Somebody on the internet's wrong, okay? We've got we to fix this. Finally, at about 2.30 in the morning, between 2 and 2.30 in the morning, I shut down the conversation, just kind of frustrated. I'm like, this guy kept saying, you don't know that. We don't know anything. You don't know that. We don't know anything. You don't know. So it's like, ah, how do you argue with that? Well, I finally shut the conversation down, got up just a couple hours later to get my daughter, Stephanie, ready for school. She was seven years old at the time. She sat right across from me at our breakfast table right there, breakfast bar, and I got her favorite cereal, Honey Bunches of Oats. I put the spoon in the bowl, then I got the milk, poured the milk in the bowl, and out of frustration, as I slid the bowl across the, the bar there to Stephanie, out of frustration, I leaned down, put my elbows on our countertop, put my hands on my face, and I said, Stephanie, did you know there are people out there who say we can't know anything at all? Seven years old. She sat there for a second, and she went, well, how do they know that? Genius! <laughs> where where were you at two in the morning, baby? Daddy needed your help, sweetie. I needed you. The very statement, we don't know anything at all, is a statement about something that they that they claim well, they're claiming that they know that they don't know. It's a self-contradictory statement. If I stood here and said, guys, I don't I don't believe in words. No, I don't. No, I do not believe in words. I wrote a book about it. It's on the back. You can buy it. I, I do not believe in words. Would you guys bring me a dictionary to try to prove me wrong, or would you go <laughs> say that again? <laughs> it's a self-contradictory statement. Listen, listen. Why does the skeptic? say we could be wrong about everything. Here's why. To admit knowledge is to admit God. To admit knowledge is to admit God. And they don't want God. So what do they choose instead of God? They choose absurdity. It is absurd to say that we know that we don't know anything. That is an absurdity. So what are you following? You going to be a humanist? Or are you going to be a Christian? If you're going to be a Christian, 
And you better light yourself on fire with passion. And people will come for miles to watch you burn. Let me ask you guys something. What are you doing for the glory of God? What are you doing for God's glory? I think some of you are going to want to continue training. I'm going to make these little thumb drives that I've got available to your uh, to your leaders. So leaders, if you want one, I'm going to let you get one. Normally, these little thumb drives that we do, they're normally 99 bucks. What we'll do, what we'll do for you guys, $20 if you can afford it. And if you're a leader and you can't afford it, you've already spent all your money, I'll give it to you as my gift, okay, to the leaders, the people that brought a group here. Because you can take this and copy it and give it to the rest of your group. If you're a kid, tomorrow morning, tomorrow morning, I'll be right up there at the front, and I'll have these available, and we'll do them for 20 bucks. If you want it, you can have 24 hours of teaching, everything on here, all the PowerPoints for 20 bucks. Okay? Is that a fair deal? Fair deal? So you guys can do that tomorrow morning. All I want this to do is to continue your education so that you can be somebody out there in the world that's telling people the truth. If you ever want to get a hold of me, I want you to get a hold of me. I want to be I want to be reachable. I wish I wish I wish I had time to mentor every single one of you. But that's what I do every Wednesday at noon. I get people come in and I try to mentor people. Have a discipleship program. Would love for you to join me Wednesdays at noon. Hey, last thought, last thought and then we're going to go do something really neat. Really really neat. When I dipped my hand in that water and then I picked up those bubbles of flammable substance. That water is what protected me from the flame. I had to put on the water to protect me. The Bible says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. If you were flying in an airplane and the captain came on and said, ladies and gentlemen, I hate to report this, but both engines have just failed. This plane is going down. And then he said, but we do have a contingency that we're thankful for. We happen to have parachutes on this airplane. Would you be uh, complaining about how much that parachute weighs? What if you couldn't quite sit up in your seat? Would you be like, stewardess, hello? No. You wouldn't care, would you? You would put it on and you would strap it on because you know that's the only thing saving you when it's time to jump out of the plane. I got some news for you. Every single beat of your heart is the drumbeat marching you to the time that you jump. Every single one of you is going to die. It's incredibly important that you are sure that you've put on the Lord Jesus Christ. You've put on that parachute. It's the only thing that will save you. It's the only thing that will save you. Ivan McGuire was a was a a jumper, a parachute jumper, and he was alive when the lithium-ion battery became first commercialized, and Sony started using these real small, powerful batteries to to power these little things called Sony Handycams. Some of your parents might still have one of those. This came out in the 90s, Sony Handycams, and he said, "You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to pioneer. I'm going to be the first one to start." videotaping people while they jump out of the plane. And that way, when they get home, I'll, I'll figure out how to put it on a VHS tape for them and they can take it home and they, show, they can show their family jumping out of the plane. It's going to be so cool. 
So Ivan McGuire, man, he got his new Sony Handycam, and he was so excited, man. He goes up on his on his on his jump with his Sony Handycam, and he's gonna he's gonna video uh, a tandem couple jumping out of the plane. And I happen to have his jump, his recording of the jump jumping out of the plane with these people. Some of the first time this has ever been done. You want to see it? He gets he gets on the side of the plane. He's got his handicam. The battery's all charged up. He's ready to go, man. He's so excited about this technology, man. This technology is awesome. He starts videotaping. He jumps out of the airplane, videotaping, and then the tandem couple jump out after him, and he's able to actually catch them in free fall. And then they pull their ripcord, and they, their parachute deploys, and they start floating down to earth. And so Ivan pulls a maneuver. He goes over, because you got to pull it this way. He reaches around to his right side where the ripcord's at, and he can't find the ripcord. And then he reaches to the left, and he didn't feel it there. And all of a sudden, he realized in his excitement about his new technology, he had forgotten to put on his own parachute. And that day, Ivan McGuire fell to his death and recorded the whole thing all the way down. I'm concerned. Some of you in here are so excited about your new technology. that you're recording for the rest of us your path to heaven. If you've never really put on the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm telling you, you need to do that. You need to repent of your sin. And you need to trust in what God did. His death, His burial, and His resurrection for your salvation. I know we're used to using the phrase, you need to invite Jesus into your heart. I kind of steer away from that phrase because I'm like, you need to be a follower of Jesus Christ. It's almost presented sometimes like, hey, here's your get out of hell free card. Pray this prayer and you can have it. That's not what Christianity is. Christianity is people that, is, that have become alive by Christ and are followers of Him. That's what Christianity is. Hey, if you've never done that, you've never put on your parachute, I, I just, I beg you, I beg you, I beg you to put on your parachute. That's the first step to giving glory to God. To God. That's the first step. What we're going to do tonight, and I'm going to let Brian come and tell us about it. We're going to actually do something where we transition. Where we take these thoughts. Wow, I have to start with God and His Word to have truth. I have to have revelation from God. Without God, you can't even know anything. I start there. And we take the truth of, man, i got to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. i got to put on the parachute. My jump's coming, and you don't know when it's going to happen. It could happen to you tonight. It could happen to you tomorrow. You don't know when it's going to happen. And I need to be a follower of Jesus Christ. We're going to take these thoughts. And we're going to take them with us. And we're going to walk to the ball field. 
it's a beautiful night to do this. So we're going to have a time. Some of you are going to want to talk to your leaders before then. Maybe on the way. But we're going to have a time out there on the ball field where we we do a little candlelight service. We sing another song. We look up into the heavens. And we worship our Creator God. And some of you, sitting on that ball field, are going to make a decision, have a defining moment, a moment where from here on, everything changes. And you're going to say, God, tonight, tonight's my night. When I'm choosing, I want to live for you, not me. They're going to give you a little card to write down what are you deciding tonight? To literally write it down. To put it just from inside your mind to on pen and paper. And decide, what are you going to do with your life? What are you going to do with your life? I just want to encourage you to put on your parachute and live for the glory of God, not yourself. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And live the way he's called you to live. He tells us in his word how to do that. You better start reading that and learning what he says. That. That will be a great day. If you decide to do so. I'll pray. Ryan's going to come. And he's going to tell us how we're going to transition into the ball field. God, thank you. Thank you that your word is true. God, first, I just, I cry out to you to break the hard hearts and the stiff necks that are still in here tonight. Going, I'm here, but I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to bend the knee. God, we know one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Everybody's going to trust and see that you are God. Heavenly Father, would you open our eyes to the truth tonight? God, for those students here that have received the truth, have accepted it and said, I am going to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And I want today to be a defining moment. I want this week to be a defining moment. Heavenly Father, would you just solidify this in their heart that they are, they are turning from themselves to you and they're going to be a follower of you. Heavenly Father, as we, as we make this proclamation and we get to enjoy the the customs that you've given to us tonight as a church, as a body. Pray that it would just seal these things in our hearts forever. And we'll thank you for it. God, you, you are good. You are good.